Well, good morning on this beautiful Friday in Coeur d'Alene on this 14th week of Ordinary Time. We have this complex messaging today, don't we? This beautiful poetry from Hosea as he concludes this work here in the 14th chapter today. And he gives us this, after these 13 chapters of uh, description of our life and Hosea pleading with his peers that they return to the Lord, that all the things they've done to integrate themselves into the contemporary culture and turn their face and turn their backs on the Lord, that the Lord nonetheless would, would keep, remain faithful to them and, and invite them back to return. And today Hosea concludes his beautiful work with that. Return Israel to the Lord your God. You have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all iniquity and take what is good. Let us offer the fruit of our lips. And our Lord continues, I am, a vibrant, I am like a vibrant cypress tree. From me, fruit will be found for you. He, he offers this consolation, this constant invitation for us, all of us, to return to him. Final words then from, from Hosea. Straight are the paths of the Lord. The just walk in them, but sinners stumble in them. Matthew's Gospel, he then, having, having spoken to his disciples and set them forth on their commission, this is in the 10th chapter that we read this week. We read earlier, then he summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive out these spirits and to cure every disease and every illness. And then he tells them, as a, any leader will who's sending out those under his charge to carry out his mission, Jesus tells them that. He sets expectations. Behold, I am sending you like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and simple as doves. He goes further, but beware of people, for they will hand you over to courts and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be led before governors and kings for my sake as a witness before them and the pagans. When they hand you over, he tells us encouragingly, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. You will be given what you are to say, for it will not be you, it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. He tells us then this, and this is perhaps most difficult to hear. He says, brother will hand over brother to death, the father, his child, children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. You know, that's hard to hear, isn't it? When our Lord and Savior is telling us that embarking on this life of discipleship, which all of us through our baptism are called into, he tells us that we will face challenges. We will face some difficulties. Back in chapter five, Matthew told us something similar, capturing the words of Christ. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that is our commission, isn't it? It's not to go in the world acting as judge, condemning what we see in our contemporary society unfolding around us. Rather, it's to live our life in truthfulness, to live our life in authenticity as best we can to offer compassion, to offer mercy to those we meet. Struck upon the cheek, we are to turn our other. Standing confident in God, not in our own confidence, confident in God. And what is 
the confidence we have in God, it's this. For it is surely just on God's part to repay with afflictions those who are afflicting you and to grant rest along with us to you who are undergoing afflictions at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his mighty angels in blazing fire, inflicting punishment on those who do not acknowledge God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal ruin. There it is. What do we do with that? It's not for us to fix the world. We are not responsible for anyone's salvation. We are not. We are responsible as parents or mentors or certainly any in ministry to preach truth and more importantly to live truth. That we are responsible for. When children bring their, or when parents rather, bring their children to the church to be baptized, the church asks them through the ritual, why are you here? I'm here to baptize my child. What do you ask of the church are the words we use? And then we ask them for their commitment. Do you promise to raise this child in the faith? And the parents affirm, I do, or we do. And that is their responsibility, to raise the child in the faith. That's a commitment we make. And then we who claim the Christian faith have a responsibility to live that out in the world. But we are not responsible whether or not anyone accepts that truth. We're not responsible for that. With young ones, we are responsible to model our faith, to evidence the faith, to teach the faith. That's a promise we make. When a person reaches maturity, we are not responsible for the decisions they make. That is their decision to make. And our Lord then gives us these, you could argue, frightening words, in blazing fire, inflicting punishment on those who do not acknowledge God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As humans, in our life on this earth, we experience hardship at times. We do. Sometimes that hardship in our life is unanticipated and completely independent of any decision we've made. We've made in, in people who are under oppression, people who suffer an illness that's genetic, uh, people who are caught up in a, a war, um, people who suffer from natural disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, these things that happen, these hardships that happen in our life, they happen Uh, outside of our understanding. How could God let this be? And since the dawn of the human family, we've been trying to answer that question. How can a loving God allow this to be? And I don't have an answer for you this morning, and I never, I promise that I, I, I don't know if I'll ever have a competent one other than God is good. Seems unsatisfactory, but that's my answer. However, there are also hardships in our life that are self-induced when we choose not to walk in alignment with the gospel, when we reject the reality of Jesus Christ, when we deny a loving God. That was Hosea's passioned plea to his peers that we've enjoyed this week. That's what he's getting them to realize, is God desires your well-being. I have a plan for you, says our Father. I willed you into life. I desire that you know joy. Follow me. Follow my paths. They are straight, Hosea concluded, didn't he? When we in our life choose not to do that, we may experience hardship in our life. We may experience difficulty. As I said, some of those difficulties in our life happen for reasons we can't fully explain. Much of our hardship in life is self-induced in relationships, in work relationships, in financial decisions we make, or in the outworking of our life. And right now in our nation, we're seeing one could argue 
difficulties that people have that reflect both truths. One is hardship people experience that has nothing to do with their decision making. The other is hardships people are experiencing that are self-induced. I'm having a hard life because I make bad decisions. Well, as a counselor, you would say, stop making bad decisions. Life will get a lot better. Just stop making bad decisions. Life will get a lot better. Being quite serious about that, what do we do? Well, what we shouldn't do is go to our dinner table with our family and pass judgment upon our family members. And I point to myself first, because I want to do that as one of my five siblings. And I get corrected, and rightly so. Nor should we uh, sit in a public setting with a condemning voice. That's not the Holy Spirit speaking, most likely. Remember, Matthew told us today, our Savior's words, you'll be given what to say. We can be pretty sure the Lord is both definitive in his calling evil, evil. Yes, he does. He calls evil, evil. I have come with a sword. I have come to divide, he says. But it's his words of truth, which also is one of compassion, turning the other cheek, acceptance of another, offering peace. That doesn't mean we, we accept depravity. That's not what our Savior says. Our Savior never says, accept depravity, accept harm upon your family. Never does he say that. What he does say is, our message is not one of condemnation. We are not to judge the outworking of God's decisions. We don't judge that. We don't know the bounds of God's mercy. We don't know that. It's not for us to decide this person is going to heaven and this person is not. We don't know that for ourselves. We don't know that for anyone else. What we do know is life gets a lot easier if you follow the teachings of our Savior. That we do know. That there's a plan for the human family. Begins in Genesis. There's a structure for how life unfolds. God speaks to us through the many generations of the human story. And if we follow his guidebook, which is Holy Scripture, life's going to be a lot easier. You can choose to ignore it. You can choose to deny it. That's a personal choice. But your life may be more difficult if you choose that. It may be a lot easier if you seek to follow it. And most importantly, it's not just about this temporary life on earth, these whatever years we're given, these few, few moments in time, it's more about the eternal promise of our Lord, to live in eternity in his loving embrace, to live in that eternal garden. These little pinpricks of light we see in our life on this earth are nothing compared to the blinding glory of an eternal proximity with our Creator God. And this guidebook, Holy Scripture, is intended to help get us there. That's the point of it. In our offering to those we meet in community, those you may be connected to through various social media offerings, is to offer peace, to offer joy, to offer the scriptural truths, but not in a condemning way. Because a, a person who is living outside the love of Christ is probably not too open to a condemning message. What they may respond to is one that says, friend, I think I know a different way. Would you be interested in learning about that? Friend, I think that situation is very complex, but there might be a better or more complete understanding of what's happening. Would you be interested in learning a little bit about that? It's this compassionate, authentic way of sharing our gospel without bashing people over the head and condemning them. I'll close on this. You know, we can look at our current moment in time and be 
be worried and be frustrated, but then if we stand back in the context of time, we realize this is the outworking of human life over, over many, many, many centuries, isn't it? That this moment in time seems intense, well, because we're living in it, but if you stand back from it, other moments in time would have seemed very intense to the people living then. Makes sense, right? God's will be done. Uh, even in here right now, in our contemporary moment in the, in the United States, we've had, within the past week, some judgments made in our highest court that are very favorable to freedom of living our religious lives or our life of religious claim, faith claims. That's good news. That's a good news story at a time when there's a lot of bad news out there. There's a good news story that said the individuals who sit on that bench have decided that it is appropriate that people can live authentically in their faith and there should be no oppressive requirement for them to live in violation of their faith. Because one thing the Catholic Church does well, it lays claim to the idea that all life is sacred from the moment of conception through its natural end. That is a position the Catholic Church has held since the Catholic Church came into existence 20 centuries ago. All life is sacred. You can't argue that position. There is no one who can argue against the idea that all life is sacred, created by God. And what happens in the outworking of truth is that when a person claims, I demand that this life be respected, and in the same breath say, I demand that life be terminated at my will, that message is exposed as incongruent. I can't claim demanding respect for one life and in the same breath demand the right to kill an innocent. It doesn't work. The human logic looks at that and says, that's not authentic, that's not true, it's incongruent. Catholic Church instead says, all life is sacred, period, all of it. There's no description beyond that. All life, from moment of conception to natural end, is sacred, period. That's a position that's inarguable. So stand on those truths, be confident in your faith, be confident in Jesus Christ, our Savior, be confident that our Father's will is being outworked, before us, and we are participants in that. And in Matthew's Gospel today, we are called into discipleship to offer authenticity, to live our faith as authentically as we can, recognizing we are imperfect beings, but as authentically as we can, to bring that message of hope to a world that is seeking that truth. God bless you all.